We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. As we continue working our way through the books of the Bible, we're going to do another one of our big picture conversations this week. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. Yeah. Good gracious. I do want to say a big thank you to everyone who has subscribed to our YouTube channel. Um, we have surpassed 1,000 subscribers. That's awesome. On our YouTube channel. That's yeah, awesome. That's a nice little milestone to pass there. And like we've said before, it's not just the conversations with Dan. We've got the passage attack. We've got some other Bible classes we post, our weekly sermons, all that sort of stuff. So if you're interested in viewing more of this, but some other teaching materials that are out there, really encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to the Broadway Church of Christ YouTube channel. And send your comments, pluses, minuses, oh, yeah. things you'd like to see, etc. Absolutely. We love interacting with all of you and hearing from you down there in the comments. So for this week, where are we headed, Dan? First Timothy. First Timothy. First okay. Timothy is um, a fascinating book and one that's really quite heavily relied on by many people in Churches of Christ. It is a it is one of two books written to an evangelist who was in Ephesus, and it's interesting that out of the New Testament uh, places, Ephesus seems to be one of the most prominent because probably all of John's writings were done at or around Ephesus. Um, huh. You have uh, Ephesus mentioned in the Book of Acts. You've got the mm -hmm. Book of Ephesians. Right. You've got First and Second Timothy, which are to Ephesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Ephesus was a big deal in the New Testament. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a central <clears throat> hub for a lot of things. Yes, and, and in this book, as I read through it, there seem to be uh, two primary focuses, or foci, if we should be correct. Uh, but those are, number one, there seems to have been an element uh, of uh, disturbance and, and false teaching that Timothy was uh, directed there to... Uh, to counter, mm -hmm. and there's several key passages about this. Pick it up at chapter 1, verse 3, and read down through uh, 7. Okay. He says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, not to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from those, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things which they are making confident assertions. All right, so there was this group of people causing trouble and causing controversy. There were a lot of arguments going on. Mm -hmm. uh, because of them, and Paul says, "I've left you there to to counter this, to yeah. to get the people on a different track from this endless controversy." Go over to chapter four. He mentions this again in the first uh, three verses. Go mm -hmm. ahead. 
He says, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, though the insincerity of the liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. All right, so, you know, that gives you some of the characteristics of these people that were uh, doing the weird teaching. Go to verse 6 through 8 there again. Uh, it says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the word of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irrelevant silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds to the promise for the present life and also for the life to come. All right, particularly verse 7, have nothing to do with these godless myths and old wives' tales, you know, the stuff that these people were talking about that was stirring up mm -hmm. controversy and yeah. wasn't productive. Uh, go over to chapter um, 6 mm -hmm. And uh, go down to verse 3 through 5, and he hits this one last time. He says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that, accorded, that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for the controversy and for quarrels of this world. Uh, quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. All right, so this kind of describes in brief the, the tension, the controversy that was being mm. created by these people who wanted to argue about all these crazy things and were not really centering on the right teaching. Mm -hmm. And... The, the other factor that's prominent in 1 Timothy is this word godliness, and it really comes down to verse 3 that you just read, to the sound teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine according to mm -hmm. godliness. Yeah. So, Sermon on the Mount type teaching, um, teaching that Jesus did about how to live your life in a godly manner. This is the direction that God wants Timothy to turn the church at Ephesus and turn them away from all this fruitless controversy that was uh, uh, whoever, whatever these teachers were teaching. And later mm -hmm. he calls them, if you read one last passage, verse 20 through 21 of chapter 6. Yeah. <coughs> he says, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called Knowledge is how it puts it in the ESV. Mm -hmm. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. All right. So some say this was some kind of pre-Gnostic type teaching. But whatever it was, it was causing disruption and controversy and endless arguments. And Timothy was to turn the turn the direction of the people uh, in a different way. Now, what mm -hmm. was that direction? And this is where we have... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, just in case you're listening, I put knowledge in quotes. It's kind of... Interesting. Yeah, we use air quotes a lot today. So yeah. it's weird to read that in the Bible, you know, falsely called quote unquote knowledge. knowledge. Yeah, gnosis. It was like there were ancient teachers like uh, Carpocrates and Serinthus and the Nicolaitans and several others in the time of the first century that were teaching things a lot like the Gnostics of the late second and third mm -hmm. century. 
but it was it was uh, a very confusing, controversial type teaching that was tearing yeah. up things in Ephesus. Yeah, Paul said, "I want you to stop that and turn it in a different direction." Right. The direction can be described really with one word, and that's the word godliness. Okay. All right. In First Timothy chapter two, instead of being involved in all that stuff. He says, I want you to get people involved in living godly lives. Look at first, yeah. verse 1 and 2. Yeah, he says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. All right, yours says godly and dignified. Uh, the word godly is eusebeia. Mm -hmm. This word is throughout the, the book of First Timothy. But a living godly and dignified lives. The word translated dignified, I think the best way to translate it would be respectable. Hmm. And this word is also repeated along with godliness throughout the book of First Timothy, meaning worthy of people's respect yeah. as they look at your life. So not dignified in that you project it, no. but that everyone else sees it by what you're doing. That's right. And so, um, you know, he introduces that there, be praying and, and, and so that we can live godly lives. Then go down to verse 9 and 10. He's giving instructions for behavior of, in the church, mm -hmm. but he um, mentions a similar word in verse 10 that should characterize Christian women. Go ahead. 9 and 10. Mm -hmm. okay. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and <clears throat> self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. All right. See, now what, what kind of women should we have? Godly women mm -hmm. with good works. And this is theos, theosabeion, which is really a, a kin word to eusebe in godliness. It's a very close word to that idea of godliness. Okay. Then, you know, he goes in in chapter 3 to the, we, we're all about the characteristics of oh, the elders, deacons, etc. Yeah. But there's some, there's some commonalities in here that often aren't seen, and those are these ideas of respectability and godliness. Mm -hmm. um, it tells you, for example, in verse 2, read verse 2. Uh, the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Mm -hmm. See, and you have the, those same words. Mm -hmm. If you go down to verse 4, is that what you were, read verse 4. Uh, he must manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. All right, and that's the same word we had earlier, which means respectable, mm -hmm. yep. uh, that worthy of respect. Go down to verse 8 where it mentions uh, deacons. Deacons likewise must be dignified, respectable, not double-tongued, not addicted to wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. All right, and notice in each of these cases it's describing, if you really stand back from it, it's describing a person that is pursuing a godly life. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're pursuing this godly life and it's for real and everybody can see it, causes them to be worthy of respect. That's this yeah. word simnos that keeps yeah. re recurring in here. It's almost like you shouldn't have to prove yourself to someone. It should be clearly evident. Right, from your lifestyle. From your lifestyle, And, yes. and the word for that lifestyle is godliness or mm. respectable. Uh, the first uh, characteristic in verse 11, read verse 11. It says, their wives likewise 
must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. All right, and if you look here in my Greek text, see, mm-hmm. wives must be simnos. Simnos. Same. Same word all the way up through here. So yeah. wives or women should be respectable, meaning their godly lifestyle should command the respect of people around them so that they project that to the people mm. of the world, which is yeah. the message the church is trying to right. project. Rather than the being embroiled in controversy and right. fighting with one another. That's right. Yeah. Now go down to verse 14 and 14, 14 and 15, which gives the point here and emphasizes the direction Timothy's trying to take the church. Okay. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of truth. All right. To be, if the church is the pillar and the buttress of truth, Mm -hmm. then the conduct of its leaders, elders, deacons, women, whatever, should be mirrors of that church of that teaching that the church advances and that is the doctrine of godliness the yeah. the doctrine of godly lifestyles that was taught by jesus you'll notice that in the very next verse after you stopped reading confessedly great is the mystery of godliness yeah and then he gives this little hymn about jesus there yeah. uh, down in uh chapter four as uh you know he again mentions this false teaching that he wants timothy to combat Go down to verse 7 and 8. He says, Have nothing to do with the irrelevant silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. There's our word again. Uh For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. All right. This is really intense here because he uses the word train. Train yourself in godliness. Mm -hmm. You know, when we think about being in training as an athlete, that's, you know, you're taking, you're really watching your diet, you're doing your exercises, yep. you're practicing every day. So we're training in godliness, that we're training in kindness, we're training in purity, we're training in honesty, we're training in good deeds, we're training and we're really trying to practice the godly lifestyle, mm-hmm. which is what he wanted Timothy to be emphasizing with these people. Yeah. And um, notice... In uh, verse 11, he says, command and teach these things. Mm -hmm. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in what you say, in your conduct, in love, Mm -hmm. in faith, in impurity. See, godliness. Yeah, we we love to pull that verse out on its own and just let it be a message to young people. Yeah, but it's throughout (laughs) the book. Right. You know, instead of the church being known for all the strife and controversy over stuff that God doesn't say, Let's just teach what Jesus says and let Jesus' example and teaching be the the shaping of our life and let's practice godliness. Mm. Uh, in chapter 5, um, even in the in the part about the widows, yep. um, in verse 4, read yours and what yours says. Mine says, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, <clears throat> let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sign of God. Good job, ESV. I I just almost (laughs) knew they wouldn't do that right. But it does use the word godliness again, and godliness is examples of people that are taking care of their aged parents, no matter what, because that's what Jesus told us Mm. to do. That's godliness. And and the rest of the world looks at that and says, wow, 
That's amazing. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's the way we all ought to be. Um, if you go over to chapter 6, mm-hmm. um, he again, you know, in verse 3, he says, you know, charge these, not if anyone teaches a different doctrine and is not conformed to sound words, mm-hmm. the word sound means healthy, yeah. even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that is according to godliness. Yeah. Read verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6 says, The constant friction among the people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So see, these false teachers were trying to profit by whatever they were teaching, and profit, mm-hmm. P-R-O-F-I-T, was their their main goal, and it, their main goal was not godliness. Yeah. And yeah. so Timothy says in verse 6, There is great gain in godliness with contentment. All right, so godliness again. Now look at verse 11 in chapter 6. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. All right, so Timothy, your job is to teach people godliness Mm -hmm. and to model godliness in front of people. And I want you to teach the men and the women and the leaders in the church to model godliness in their behavior Mm. and to teach healthy things that everybody can get from Jesus. So the two-pronged message of the entire book of Timothy, even though he deals with some individual issues, is steer people away from this fruitless, controversial, false teaching and emphasize in every aspect of the church godliness so that our lives will support the truth mm-hmm. that we teach. That's the upshot of First yeah. Timothy. So would it be a fair assessment to say that if you were living a life that does not display godliness, but you still say, but I'm following Christ, that would be where Paul writing to Timothy would be like, I think you've missed the point. Yeah, and, and Timothy as the evangelist was the one that was to direct this agenda, to direct it away from this and toward this, Mm-hmm. And in every every life, from the leaders to everyone else, to the widows, to everybody else, yeah. this was to be the thrust and the emphasis as he tried to bring Christ to a pagan area of Ephesus. Yeah. Live your life so that everyone sees Christ through you. Amen. Sounds simple enough. That's all, folks. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.